0: Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, with a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 8, Flying, a.k.a. Dream to Believe. I'm Mike Manzi.
1: And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us, we have a real-life gymnast here to answer all of our questions. Jordan Paul, and Clark. hello Jordan. Hey you guys. This movie is amazing. This was the
2: best movie I've seen in a really, really, really long time. (laughs) (laughs) It made me happier than anything I've watched in a very long time.
1: I like that you picked this movie, Jordan, just because it was about gymnasts, and then it turned out to be the best movie about gymnasts that probably has ever been made or will ever be made.
2: Well, that's not even really why I picked it at first. You gave me the list of the movies that were left for Keanu yeah. Club, and this was just the first one that I looked at, and I Googled it, and I was like, they made that for me. They made that <laughs> for me. <laughs>
1: and I can't even explain... How joyful it is to watch this movie. So one of our favorite podcasts collectively, I think, is How This Get Made, which does a very funny look at terrible movies. And a lot of people all over the internet say about a lot of movies that I how This Get Made has to do this movie. Like this movie is so bad and so good and so funny. And yet nobody is talking about this movie. But this movie is everything you want in a great bad movie. Things make no sense. Everybody is crazy it's made well but also at the same time like really poorly lots of bizarre creative decisions I mean it's delightful
2: yeah I laughed more times in this movie than really again I've laughed in a very long time like I guess it was kind of making fun of it but not really it really just made me so happy it used (laughs) it used so many terrible 80s tropes but like it used them kind of so seriously that it was funny so much to say about the gymnastics but we'll get there later oh man the writing was terrible it was a lot of fun
0: i was very confused for most of this film information is doled out in extremely strange ways it's kind of an enigma to me from the beginning what is actually happening here it really takes me a while to get some bearings from in this movie I don't think I've ever seen another movie about gymnastics before either. This almost gave me a sense of young blood, but the girl side of young blood in a way. <laughs> instead of hockey, we're in gymnastics. and I never realized just how incredibly competitive and and stressful it can be for people. This movie got very heavy and very intense, entertainingly so.
1: I feel like it's also like a movie. And one of the movies that I had this Game did cover, which is perfect, just about workouts and, like, gyms and exercise and aerobics in the 80s. Because there's just, there's so many shots of people working out. I don't know why, I guess they're appealing to boyfriends in the audience, but there's, like, tight close-ups on butts and crotches. And it's so weird. And, like, everything's prolonged. Everything goes on way too long for no real reason. I mean, they're, they're not really trying to fill time. I don't know. But it's amazing and I love it like I genuinely love it like I love it in a bad way but I also genuinely just love this movie
2: Here's I have a lot of things to say about their wardrobe and their bras and their boob and the butt shots the conclusion that I came to really by the end is that there are so many boob and butt shots and some of them are just gratuitous shots of the actors. But Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, that's what they used when they were using a body double to do the tumbling and stuff. They, instead of doing like a long shot, like a normal director would do. In a normal movie, they would just do a close up of the boob and the butt so that the face wasn't in the shot. But then because the, they were doing a trick and you have to hold that for the entirety of the gymnastics trick, it would go on for way too long, just a shot of this butt doing a trick.
1: <laughs> so here's a, here's an important question I have for you, Jordan. You brought something up that I really wanted to ask. I feel like and maybe you can correct me, I feel like the main actress, Olivia Diabo, Who will return as a voice in the Animatrix, believe it or not. I feel like she, in this movie, is actually on the uneven bars, but is not doing the floor routine. Do you agree with that or no?
2: Absolutely not. They did a lot of close-ups on her feet of her running. Which is a weird thing to do in a movie in general, but when you're making a movie about athletes and your lead actress, who is supposed to be a spectacular gymnast, runs like a duck, probably
0: don't she do that. She cannot run. Yeah, she cannot run. I couldn't I do it. I know her knee it. is supposed to hurt her, but people just don't run like that.
1: Is she on the uneven bars or is that not her either?
2: No, that's not her. It couldn't have been. She does no. not look like an athlete. She has no muscles. They're doing all that weight training. She has no muscles. And they had a really strange focus on the uneven bars. A lot of what I'm going to say, like, maybe it was different because it was the 80s. And I wasn't, I was very young then. So I don't know what the gymnastics culture was like then. But the thing that people like in gymnastics is floor. They like the tumbling. And this movie was obsessed with uneven bars, which was really strange. Mm -hmm. The other thing that they did was in the 70s and probably into the 80s, there was a different kind of uneven bars than they use now. And without making any comment on it, they go back and forth between using the old kind and the new kind, which is like, you guys, no one would ever notice that. But like, it's totally different. The main girl does the old school uneven bars and everybody else does the other ones.
1: So what you're saying is that they did not have like a gymnastics consultant on set.
2: They just weren't very worried about it. And I think that happens probably a lot of times in sports movies
0: I I at first thought that the actress was a gymnast until I realized what I recognized her from, which is mostly I knew her as Kevin Arnold's older sister on The Wonder Years. She's Fred Savage's older sister, Karen, on that show. And then it kind of started to sink in. She's just an actress. And then I started watching the routines a bit closer. And if you notice the warehouse routine when she's practicing is just pitch black so you can never tell that it's her she'll sort of just jump up into shots at the end when she makes a landing she'll she'll pop into frame and like jordan said there's a lot of very strange close-up and just awkward angles of the actual routines going on so that it's hard to really tell who's doing what during those those shots and same, same with the floor routine. It's just, I think it's just her running and jumping, then they cut to the stand-in, and then they cut back to her when she just has to do a landing.
1: I mean, I could tell that it wasn't her doing the floor routine or doing any of the tumbling or whatever, but I really thought it could have been her on the bars. The one that, like, there's that girl in the pink sweater. I think that's probably Leah? Leia. Leah? The movie doesn't even try to edit it in a way that makes it look like her. When they are outside in my favorite scene in the movie, when they just have like basically a rumble, but it's just gymnastics outside wherever they are. I don't even know where they are. And the whole town is there. They show the girl in the pink sweater, Leah, running, and then they cut away, and then they just have her like, standing there, like not even landing. It's not even close, but it doesn't matter because it's wonderful, because everybody's just there. Keanu's got his I mean we're gonna we're gonna get all to this later, but like Keanu's with his new girlfriend apparently and he's like watching this all happen very racist, stereotypical black guys show up and they're just watching. The coach shows up and is watching. The whole team is there. Like, everybody's there. And it's the best scene. And I love it so much.
2: That was a spring floor. I have a lot to say about that and about the warehouse scene. There are so many hidden springs and trampolines in this.
0: Well, what's kind of strange about this, I noticed in the credits, is that it's a Golden Harvest production. And they're a Chinese production company. Jackie Chan did a lot of films under this production company. It's this weird hybrid of not kung fu, but gymnastics. It's sort of in the same wheelhouse. I think that's just why it's so packed with stunts and flipping and tumbling and twirling. It's like what they make. They also were partially responsible for the very first Ninja Turtle film. And the kung fu and action sequences in that are great as well. But I have a feeling that it's just... Nothing really matters why it's happening. It's just have it happen. Make them doing routines at the drive in, in the park, wherever they are. Just have them tumbling in a carpet factory if you need them to, just wherever.
1: Jordan also pointed out that the people who made this movie had made a lot of horror movies. Like the guy who directed this movie is most known, I think, for directing Prom Night. And so it's this weird hybrid of, like, I guess, kung fu background and horror background coming together to sort of make, like, a teenage angsty sports movie? Like, it's like this weird combination of everything. I I don't, I don't really know how to describe the finished product other than just perfection. Jordan, I have a question for you. What's that? There's so much gymnastics in this movie of people in street clothes, and it seems so improbable and just so defying the laws of man and nature I'm sure that you can tumble or do back backhand springs or whatever like in a skirt or a sweater but like there's a lot of it like too much of it going on right
2: yeah again I wasn't around in the 80s I didn't do high school gymnastics in the 80s but there were far too many like jumpsuits and no sports bras no bras at all most of the time actually that's just not that's not a thing nobody does that. It was so sexualized by not putting bras on them or by, like, giving them these cleavage bras. Oh, I was so upset about it.
1: Okay, I don't want to start at the beginning because I don't want to miss a thing about this movie. And I think before we even start talking about the movie, we need to talk about the movie menu on the DVD because this is my new favorite menu. Sorry Fight Club Blu-ray that opens up as, I don't even remember, like, Never Been Kissed or something and then it goes into Fight Club. All right, nice try. But this is a menu that begins by saying welcome to this digital versatile disc and then basically proceeds to be a tutorial on how to use a dvd welcome to this interactive digital versatile disc on this disc you may select the feature film the movie review the scene selection menu a trivia game quiz or some biographical notes on the film its stars and makers at any time, you can return to this menu by selecting title on your controller. Using the navigation button on your controller, you may advance the highlighted selection to the option of your choice. Press your enter button when you have made a selection. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy our feature presentation. I just love that so much. Like, it doesn't make, I don't, like, uh, I get, like, was this the first DVD ever pressed? I don't understand why anybody would ever feel the need to, like, Talk out like a 45 second monologue about how to use a dvd no dvd menu has ever made me happy before and this like i knew we were off to a good start when this dvd like i can't i oh i just love it
0: it sets the mood right up top for what is about to transpire after you hit play that is for sure i was just so confused and then immediately started laughing my head off because you're right is this The first DVD people are ever going to buy. I don't know if anyone, aside from the three of us, are really going to buy this DVD. Buy this DVD, people listening, by the way. Everyone should own this. But you're right. It's so presumptuous of the creators. But yeah, it, it sounds like it's genuinely trying to be instructional. Very confusing, very funny right off the bat and just sets the mood for what's about to happen.
1: And then once you fire up the movie, once you finally decide, okay, I'm not going to listen to the biographies, I'm not going to go behind the scenes, I'm not going to go to scene selection, I'm going to go to the, the main feature... It's very clear right off the bat that it's just, it's nothing more than a VHS transfer. And Mike, you said this isn't like the public domain. Is that true?
0: tried to do some research about this movie and upon discovering there's about four titles for this film, four different titles that it was released under, the Wikipedia page mentions that it might be in the public domain, that it's not positive. I didn't go as far as to check a list of public domain films, but that would account for why it's available under so many different names. And it could be why whoever printed up this copy was able to just press up a VHS copy and re-release it.
1: And why was also the most generic, poorly formatted title screen? Yeah. I think I've seen in a long time. Just black screen, big white font, "Dream to Believe." Like it just—it's and it's like it's up there for a while. Like I don't know, it just it's so weird.
2: On Wikipedia, yeah. it says it's assumed to be public domain, which I wrote down because I thought that was the best way that you could say that. It just shows how little shit anybody gives about this movie. 9,000 will have watched it on YouTube. It's never been taken down.
0: Keanu Reeves is in this movie. How isn't it more popular? Well, not popular, but how don't more people know about it, its existence? It's not... It's not as hard to find as, say, something like Young Again. There's an actual DVD of this. Something like Young Again, which we reviewed last episode, we had to watch on YouTube in its entirety. But that was an actual film in in and of itself, too. It's just so strange. I don't
1: understand who's making money on this. If anybody's making money on this, like why anybody would press it for like the fourth time. I don't know. But I'm just so glad that it's available because I will cherish this movie forever and ever.
0: So, Joey, I think I was telling you earlier about the title screen. The way it jumps up is kind of like Death Proof in Grindhouse, where yeah. the movie's going, and then, boom, just a black and white title card, and then it's there for a couple seconds, and back to the movie. So, clearly, someone just spliced it right on top of the original movie.
1: Yeah, because it's it's like, you know, in Death Proof, I mean, that's, that's the joke, right? That you see, like, the original title or whatever for, like, a quarter of a second, and then you see just Death Proof. Here, it's like, okay... We don't know how to like remove film from the film. So flying is on screen for eight seconds. So we need something else on screen for eight seconds. So let's just put this on there. It's great,
0: like the DVD menu. It's consistently keeping up the tone of this experience.
1: The first thing that we see, or one of the first things that we see, is the the gymnastics team. I think in high school they're in high school, right? This is like a high. I mean, this is
2: high school gymnastics.
1: But is that ever? I mean, like, I understand that that's what it is, but like, they never really explicitly make it clear, right? It just like it just mm-hmm. seems like a gymnastics team. I mean, they're in the cafeteria. It seems like a weird sort of group that exists beyond school.
2: No, I thought I it was clear have... that they were working in a high school.
0: I don't think we ever get into actual classes like chemistry class or or history class so i could see you thinking that it might just be a specialty school or or even college or something i'll tell you what i thought maybe she was just at gymnastics school for a while i was like oh it's just gymnastics school she doesn't go to any other classes what else does it really matter for this movie no it's about gymnastics
2: no they they walk in the hallways though yeah like on the way to gymnastics class someone asks her who she has for English or something and they make fun of the teacher and they eat lunch there
1: But okay so can you explain to me what her role is on the team is she like just the ball girl like oh, God, is she just absolutely
2: not I have no idea
1: what... okay. I, didn't,
2: I didn't understand what she was doing for a long time in this movie <laughs>
0: It took me forever to figure out why are the other two girls, Leah and Stacy, why are they mocking her? They're being catty towards her. No one is noticing that she's just standing in the middle of the room with people flipping and jumping around her. And she's just looking completely out of place. But it it turns out she's the new girl that just transferred there from San Francisco. But I don't think we learned that in the opening scene. If we did, I missed it because I was just getting my bearings from all the gymnastics going on.
1: But did they just move there because we find out that her dad owns this cleaner, which also seems like a sweatshop or her stepdad? Yeah. I don't think she's new. Yeah. I think I don't I don't understand what her role is in this school. Me but she
2: is the new girl in school because a little bit later, Kiana refers to her as the new girl.
0: Yeah, that's when I was like, oh, OK, maybe that's why <laughs> she doesn't know anybody or have any friends because it wasn't clear before.
2: This opening shot made me bonkers crazy and it's the gymnast in me that those two tall skinny girls, those are not gymnasts. They are ballerinas. I'm watching the first shot right now and this girl is doing ballet. She is not doing gymnastics. Oh, those girls made me crazy.
0: Well, even the gymnastics in this movie feels more like it wants to be flash dance as opposed to whatever it's doing. Like There's right. several flash dance moments and the music and the girl's story and her growth and her taking control of her life and all that inspirational stuff.
2: Yeah, later when we get to the warehouse scene, it's like they want us to think that 80s jazz dancing and gymnastics might be the same thing.
1: Okay, I have two, I have two more questions about this opening scene. Who is this shirtless dude just rowing? Why is he here? Is this just like an all-purpose gym?
2: Is that the same guy who is like spotting them later? It's the cute guy, right? Like the rich guy? Yeah. Yeah. I wrote like more than once. Like who is he and what is he doing here? Because he's there more than once.
1: Did Robin date him or she just had a crush on him?
2: All the girls have a
0: crush on him.
2: He dates one of the pretty girls, doesn't he?
0: He ends up dating Leah after Leah embarrasses Robin so she won't pursue him anymore. But I think he's the only boy on the gymnastics team or trying out for it. That's what I thought. I was like, "Oh, there's boys on the gymnastics team. It's co-ed?" Maybe. I mean, it's but possible.
2: A, a little bit later in the movie, he's spotting one of them on balance beam.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's in a maybe he's a coach? Like a player coach? Like a student
2: coach? So unclear. They were just like, we need this cute guy in it. Give him something to do.
1: My other question for you, Jordan, about this opening scene is that at one point, the the coach just says something along the lines of, all right, that was fine, but do it again. Do it better. Give me a perfect 10. Can you just like will yourself to be like flawless? Like she's not like asking for improvement. She's asking for perfection. And it's like a weird demand out of a coach.
2: You can't will yourself to be perfect because if you could, we would all do that. I never had a coach say something like that, but it is kind of the sentiment of how a coach will often talk to you. Like, it is always like, go do it again and do it better.
0: Joey is also foreshadowing. Give me a perfect 10, and by Mm. the end of this movie, we're going to need to see Whalers.
2: That routine was not a perfect 10. We'll get there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But
1: then after gymnastics practice. We finally meet the man the reason we're watching this movie, Keanu Reeves, who Robin is just outside. He like comes up behind her and like jumps at her and scares her. She says like you scared me. And then he says, "Yeah, but at least I don't drool anymore?" That is completely glossed over. And then she asks about why he was kicked out of class, and apparently the teacher didn't like the clothes he was wearing, so he just stripped out of all of them down to his underwear she's like no you didn't he's like yeah i did and then that's the end of that and then (laughs) she just leaves and then his buddy comes up to him like how'd that go and he says hey remember that bills game last weekend and then just tackles him into a bush my mind hurts thinking about (laughs) and watching the scene i don't get it but i love it
0: crazy yeah but at least i don't drool anymore hey tommy in a minute, Leo. Why are you out so got a detention from Miss Donna Bukowski. Oh, not again. Yeah, she said she didn't want me to wear clothes like this in her class, so I uh, took them off. Oh, <laughs> you didn't? Yeah,
1: right down to my underwear. <laughs> Miss Bukowski turned this really neat shade of purple. It's
0: kind of artistic. Hey, Tommy, uh, have you studied for Parsons' test on Thursday yet? Oh, not yet. No, um, I've still got some reading to do. Me too. Uh maybe me and you could get together, you know, go to the library and Tommy, study there goes Wednesday my bus, okay? After school. I'll see you
2: yeah. later. Bye!
1: Bye. You're uh really sweeping her off her feet, you
0: romantic animal, you Leo, you remember that Bill's game last weekend? Hmm? We're gonna reenact it.
1: Hot one, hot two, hot three, one. I, I love, love God! God!
2: God! I forgot about that scene. Looking back on it, it seems like they were trying to set him up to be kind of like a fun weirdo, and they just did a bad job for the rest of the movie.
0: He's set up here as the love interest is what's going on. He has eyes for her, but she can't see him yet. You know, Uh, she's still the new girl and so he approaches her to kind of i don't know whether doesn't he say we should have a study date i thought that was pretty funny that that's that's kind of a good line let's just study together and then we'll go steady and he wants to ask her out but doesn't have time because she's just like oh i gotta go see you later and he's just like uh, okay okay whatever i guessed but that's what i took it as he's gonna be pursuing her throughout the whole movie
1: Well, I don't understand their relationship at any point in this movie. Are they just, like, friendly with one another? Are they sort of friends? Does she really know who he is at all other than, like, that guy who bothers me? Because it feels like they they sort of fluctuate. Here they sort of seem like he always does this to her. And then a little bit later in the movie, it's like she almost has no idea who he is. It's a weird dynamic, like, until they finally get together. And the fact that they get together is mind-blowing. That's just crazy. Nothing about interpersonal communications or relationships in this movie makes any sense to me, but like, I don't understand how close they are at all, at any point, ever.
2: It felt like their whole relationship was one of them walking away from the other one, and the interactions that they had before one of them walked away were never consistent with the last conversation that we saw them have together, and then one of them would get mad and walk away.
0: At this point, I didn't know she was new at school, or that didn't sink in. I felt that he was stuck in the friend zone with her; that they hung out, that they were just friends, right. and right, yeah, and that they had had a history together. But they didn't, because she's new at school. So, really, how how much more could he be than that guy in her class that acts weird, who comes up to her every once in a while and bothers her after school before the bus comes?
2: Well, they also tried to set up the weird best friend guy. And then forgot about him for most of the movie, except later he has one of my favorite lines.
0: Yeah, that guy's a yeah. total welcome back, Potter <laughs> reject.
1: But then that, that scene between Keanu and Robin, Olivia, have to has to end because she's late for work. And she runs like a duck to work. And it looks like she works in a sweatshop. It's dark, and it's steamy, and people are just doing... Like, it looks like they're making clothes. It doesn't look like they're cleaning clothes. It looks like they're making clothes. And then this guy just walks up to her and just starts yelling at her about being late. And I don't think they really give any indication in this scene that he's her stepdad, do they? Like, we sort of have to figure that out later. It just seems like he's just some jerk of a boss just, like, screaming at her.
2: I think in this part I assumed it was her stepdad... Because I had read that her, I like knew the plot and knew that her dad was mm. dead. This might be where he says your sister and she says stepsister, which is a thing that yeah, happens like several times.
1: He does say to her, you're dressed like one of those damn lesbos. Why don't you dress like your sister? And she says stepsister. But like before that, like the scene before, I mean, like the, the scene directly before that, I sort of got it then. And then, like you know, the next scene, they're at home. This movie does not know how to paint relationships between characters in any clear way
0: i think what it wants to set up is that she's a cinderella right like she goes home and she has to work in this sweatshop like you say and she has an evil stepfather and this hot step sister and her mom is treated like a slave and all this stuff so her dad has died we'll find out i'm not going to spoil how she's just got the whole world against her yeah she is cinderella
1: I wrote, is this modern day Cinderella? And then aside from her family, I don't think there's really any other parallels. Are there any or just like an evil stepfather?
0: I think aside from the time Cinderella competed in gymnastics and lost her <laughs> glass slipper, that's the only other thing that they used. But it is kind of amazing how they're like, oh, well, half the movie has to be about gymnasts. What's the other half going to be about? Well, let's rip something off. OK, Cinderella works. All right, <laughs> let's just do that.
1: And also, I guess modern-day Cinderella would ride a motorcycle. I don't understand why. Like, she takes the bus at points, she walks at points, and then also she just has a motorcycle, apparently, and just rides around town to get to her late-night gymnastics gigs in abandoned warehouses. Can we go back to
2: before she rides the motorcycle, when they're okay. at home? The stepsister's talking to the dad, and she's painting her nails, and he's like, who are you going out with tonight? She's like, I don't know yet. And he's like, where's that guy? And she's like, I don't know, he sells fish now. <laughs> but not, not like eating fish like goldfish like he's selling pet goldfish. like who wrote that who was like this is what the line that we're putting in our movie
1: but then yeah. we see that guy later right because there's a guy holding a bag yes. with a goldfish he like slaps the bag
0: and one it's of them dead just, it- it's like something you'd win at a carnival, and then later Keanu does his carnival barker thing and mentions that he worked at one for the summer. So something's going on with this writer, where he's just putting his <laughs> life experience into this movie.
2: All right, we can go back to the yep. motorcycle now. That so she's
1: on the motorcycle and she's like all bundled up. Like she looks like she looks like she like rode out of the wasteland at Mad Max. I don't understand. <laughs> yes, she puts,
2: yes, she puts yes, put lace on her face. She puts it yes. on lace and then
0: goggles
1: she's bundled from head to toe in black like leather and lace
0: she looks like a cross between batgirl and spider-man it's just (laughs) awesome looking you know and she's riding around and we find out that's her dead dad's motorcycle but she hides it in the garbage in the alley behind her house like Batgirl. it's crazy
1: and then as she's riding to her gymnastics meet of course that just there's got to be something that happens what happens that she sees a car accident with a dead guy laying on the ground and you're like what's going on because like nobody says anything you just see a guy with blood on his face not moving eyes open i guess he's just dead or like very close to dead and it's like oh that's weird
2: yeah like we don't know anything about her family yet We know now a little bit about how her dad died, but we didn't know that at the beginning of the movie. And there's just this dying guy in the street that she stops to look at, and he's all bloody and gross.
0: It's crazy, because I don't even know where she's going. Her stepdad's like, you better not come back making all that racket, but I don't know if she's leaving really early in the morning, and that's why it's dark, or if she's leaving late at night, and that's why it's dark. I'm just very confused. She appears to be sneaking out of the house, and yet he doesn't really – he kind of catches her, but doesn't – he lets her go. I don't know where she's going. I don't know why she's going out. She doesn't end up at the high school, that's for sure.
1: No, I don't know where she goes. She goes like underground to a place that apparently is needed to be guarded by a security guard who just spends his night smoking cigarettes in the dark and wearing sunglasses. Nothing about this scene makes sense, but it's one of the best scenes in the movie.
2: Oh, But right before that, when she's riding her motorcycle, for the whole beginning Mm -hmm. of the movie and then later at the end, it does that thing that 80s movies does where the songs kind of narrate the movie. Yes. And it made me really, really wish that this would have just been a
1: musical.
0: Oh, that would have been great. I mean, it's one step away. There's so much music and so many montages going on. So you get to hear almost the entire song play out over what's happening. I think she drove to a carpet factory to do her routine. Is that right? It looks like carpets are rolled up. And I was like, maybe that's yeah. kind of in case she's falling. Because she ends up falling a couple of times. And I goes, eh, I may as well fall on carpet. But the reason she knows the security guard, she takes the bus after school just has this conversation with the bus driver. They're best friends apparently, and and she kind of mentions, oh yeah, Fred or someone, or said that you're coming along fine, and you're like, hmm, that's weird. Who's Fred? How does she know this black <laughs> bus driver? What's going on here? And then she gets to this warehouse, and it turns out the security guard there is cousins with the bus driver, who watches her do her practice her routine every night. Apparently, since she's moved like, right. from San Francisco.
1: The bus driver's name is Roy and he's played by Eugene Clark. The dad, Jack, is played by Sean McCann. And what's crazy is that the two of them are two of the six or seven stars of Night Heat, which was one of the first roles (laughs) that Keanu ever had. So the fact that like this is like such a Canadian production that, Jordan, one thing that we've learned so far in these Keanu movies, at least the ones that are made in Canada, is that apparently every young actor, and apparently older actors too, have all been on either Hanging In or Night Heat. Like, these are these two shows that just, like, everybody shows up on. And it's weird that these two sort of, like, second-tier characters in this movie, or maybe even third-tier, they were both stars of this show that basically gave Keanu his start in show business. What a small world.
2: It's like our law and order.
1: Yeah, basically. So in in literature, and this is something that, Jordan, I think you have ideas about, in literature there is the, the trope of, like, the magical Negro or the magical Black man who, like, it's this sage old wise person who gives the main character the advice they need or whatever to help them on their journey like this security guard literally lights her way he's illuminating her future where she's going the bus driver is literally driving her like advancing her along it's so stereotypical and like a little bit racially insensitive and just i, I don't know i can't tell if it's making a commentary on that or just dumb. like i don't know but it's worth talking about
2: I made a whole list of things that are in this movie that you can't really do in movies anymore. Two of the things on the list are, one is have a black bus driver with all white students. And the other one is, I wasn't sure how to describe. The guy who uh, is in the carpet factory gets fired later and he's kind of treated like, not really like a deadbeat, but a little bit like a deadbeat. And like, that's another thing in a white movie that you can't do that anymore. I guess the relationship with her was nice because they were kind of like her fairy god people. Like, nobody <laughs> cared about this girl, you know, except for them. That was nice, but it was also like weird to look at now.
1: It was also uncomfortable because the security guard seems sort of like a fairy god person, but also seems like he's kind of a little bit in love with her.
2: The way this scene started, and it didn't go this way the whole time, but the way this scene was lit, he was real creepy and we didn't know who he was. He was totally in the blackness and then all the lights were off and they are zooming in on her boobs and her butt, like real creepy. I thought it was kind of rapey at first. I didn't know they knew each other. Yeah. And then it goes on from there to be a little different than that.
0: Yeah, they try and psych you out at the start of the scene where she walks through the warehouse and it's supposed to be scary where the security guard comes up and and the music is dark but then she knows the security guard and it's the cousin of the bus driver and they're almost the same person in a sense that these two characters are, are acting as one for her what i'm more confused about is how did she become friends with these people did she just start talking to the bus driver one day when she got to school and the bus driver's like, hey, you know, if you need a place to rehearse and you're, you know, don't want the cat to get out of the bag too soon and lead on to the other girls in class that you're actually training and you're good. And, you know, I know a place where you could practice. I got this cousin who runs a security at a carpet factory after hours, midnight, show up, he'll let you in. He's not threatening at all. He'll dance with you.
1: And he will love it, and he will be so happy about it. I don't know. I still don't know why that place needs guarding, but the fact that he's alone in the dark, I guess any kind of entertainment is, is great for him, and he's just... He loves watching her do her routine.
2: Okay, also she's not doing a gymnastics routine. She's doing like 80s jazz dancing and flying, mm-hmm. like literal flying. She will <laughs> come from behind a stack of carpets and there's either a trampoline behind there or she's on a line that's pulling her and she will literally fly over a stack of carpets without even jumping.
0: So maybe it's interpretive dream sequence in some kind of way that she's not actually there, that this is her dreaming of flying at the time. Well, I like maybe that. Not. The only valuable information I got from this scene is that her knee still bothers her (laughs) because she tumbles and falls a couple times. But yeah, but that never comes
1: back in any meaningful
2: way. I know this doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but she does this bonkers crazy tumbling. She flies through the air and she lands on her feet for minutes. And then she does nothing and she's like, oh, my knee. No, that's not how knee injuries work.
0: (laughs) This knee injury is from the car accident in which she was in with her father that took his life. So maybe it's some kind of psychological pain going on that she hasn't been able to move past yet, the symbolic injury that's still messing with her head, and she needs to, to soldier on and push through that.
1: It's the kind of thing that is going to show up in her final routine and set her back, but somehow she's going to fight through it. But no, like the final routine is just like flawless, right? Pretty much. I mean, the last one especially is flawless. It doesn't show up in any meaningful way.
2: Well, that's the thing. She keeps saying, like, I'm not training. I haven't been training. I'm not in shape. But then we see her and like she clearly is training and is in
0: shape. Yeah. She makes one friend, the rich girl that takes her to her house and has her own private gym. So she can work there now instead of having to go to the carpet factory at 2 a.m.
1: What I want to know is why this amazing gymnast is working on the team as like a towel girl. Like, how does she become involved with this team and not be able to work out her practice with them?
0: I got the sense that she was just checking it out and hanging around. When we see her in the opening of the movie, that's probably the first time that she stood in that room because she was too apprehensive. So she actually took that first step in. I think we we're supposed to be seeing her from from the beginning of her interest in pursuing getting back into gymnastics because it turns out a while back as she says she competed and did pretty well so she's just starting to think about getting back into shape
2: when you are injured especially an injury that takes you out and really really debilitates you a lot of coming back from it is super mental even if your your body is physically ready your brain a lot of times is just so terrified but it's not like they talk about any of that at all
1: no, they don't at all. It's only—it doesn't seem like she's mentally like because she's always ready to get on the bars, right? Even when like in the beginning of the movie when she sort of doesn't really stick the landing and sort of buckles her knee a little bit, she's still like eager to get up there. It's like she's never like, oh, I'm not ready. Like she's like always mentally ready.
2: Yeah, and this is that's in the next scene, the Bobo Tilda Swinton coach. Is, tells her to get on the bars, to show them what she can do and do free hips and dismounts. She doesn't do any free hips and she doesn't do any dismounts. You look at her and you can tell she's a gymnast. And then they kick her out of the gym anyway.
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what I love is the not so subtle touches. After this routine, they cut to her home and she's like in her bedroom and And you hear her mom, who she gets along with, and her stepdad just, like, screaming at each other. Mm -hmm. And she literally takes her finger and, like, rubs it on her dad's face, like, in a picture. Like, I miss you, dad. Like, if you were here, this wouldn't be happening. And it's just like, okay, she misses her dad. Like, we, I think we already got that from the fact that she hates her stepdad. I don't know. Like, it's just like, hey, dummies, like, you realize that, like, she misses her dad,
0: Right they're also setting up Jack as an alcoholic. You drink too much. What are you drinking for? You just hear that ADR over her, over the shot of her in her bedroom. And she gets so close to doing one of those face waterfalls on her dad's picture. I was like, oh, we're so close to that. This scene is just setting more, setting up more of her terrible home life. There's something going on with her mom and stepdad. There's trouble in that paradise as well. And then the next day at school, we get to see Keanu again on the food line. And even though Robin dresses like she's working in an office, he approaches her anyway. He's <laughs> still pretty interested.
1: And but like Keanu, like sarcastically flirts with that lunch lady. Like he's just mean. I don't like this Keanu. Like he's sort of like a bully kind of. I can't tell if he's like a good guy or like a bad guy. Like he's just sort of like he and his buddy just make fun of that poor lunch lady.
0: And I'm just like, I don't like this.
2: That's a fat lunch lady is another thing on my list of things you can't really put in movies anymore.
0: Yeah, that was a staple 80s trope. I don't think that was necessarily done to be mean or anything. I think that's just the kind of lunchroom humor that they're getting across here. I didn't think that Keanu was picking on her necessarily. It's just that he was trying to impress the girl by attempting to be funny and it just it just failed. It just fell completely flat because around her he's he can't be himself yet. He's completely awkward around her. So I I just assumed she was triggering his trouble cracking good jokes.
1: What's what's even funnier than his supposed jokes is that we cut to Robin and she takes a bite of her sandwich with the wrapper still on it. Like I'm not sure (laughs) I don't know Is she like so obsessed with Leah and becoming a part of the gymnastics team that like she's not even paying attention to what she's doing? Is that like, is that what's going on? Because I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I think those girls are really getting to her. They're messing with her head because they're supposed to be her teammates in a way. They're the other gymnasts, they're the other two gymnasts at the school that are kind of elite that are that she's in their class. And they hate her. They hate her guts for seemingly no reason. Why? Because she has a short haircut or because she dresses like she's 47 sometimes? I mean, she doesn't dress like that all the time. She fixates on them, too. I think there is the scene where she thought they waved her over to sit with her, but it was actually the other girl who came and sat with her. So they pulled that gag on her. They're just, they're hazing her. They're not making it easy for her to fit in.
1: Also, like, do you really want to fit in with them? Because they're terrible people. And, like, it's sort of better that she's not fitting in with them, right?
0: No, but girl
2: rules dictate that, I mean, especially when you're young, that you need to be friends with the prettiest, coolest, best girls. And it is established that they are the best gymnasts. The coach says so, like, a bunch of times. So, like, when you're a girl and you're young, even if you don't want to be friends with those girls you feel like you're supposed to be and like there's something wrong with you if you don't fit in with them. And then when they torture you, it's the worst.
0: Yeah, it feels like some some form of hazing. But it's also strange because it feels like gymnastics is like the basketball of the school where like they're popular because they're gymnasts and that's the top sport. <laughs> you know, like that's the way it feels like it's going down. And that's confusing me.
1: They're the basketball team from Young Again.
0: Yeah, I think you're touching on some Young Again themes too, Joey, where <laughs> we – would go back to high school and i know i would do things differently like i would i wouldn't make fun of the lunch lady but i probably did so it's just the mind frame of teenagers especially boys especially boys that don't have total control of how they're trying to express themselves at that age so i don't know i actually kind of found it somewhat more on the realistic side but i understand if us nowadays would look at it and say that's completely juvenile because it is juvenile
1: well, you're also dealing with a level of maturity that has Keanu's best friend whose name I never caught. I don't know what his name is. Do we know what his best friend's name is? doesn't really matter, right?
2: He probably didn't have one.
1: <laughs> it's Leo. It's Leo because he says to Keanu, because Keanu's like pining over Robin. He's like, I got to get with Robin. I'm in love with this girl. I got to go with Robin. And Leo says,
0: If you're so hot for her, just go out and get her. She doesn't even know I exist, Leo. You got to do something to get her attention. Wear antlers on your head. Huh? So she'll know you're horny. (laughs) You're a diseased person, Leo.
1: That's like the level of maturity that we're operating at. It's just the corniest jokes and like the stupidest ideas. I don't know whether to blame that on, like, high school juvenile or just the screenwriter. I don't know what it is, but that's such a crazy line. Like, wear antlers on your head so that she knows you're horny? Like, what?
2: I laughed so hard when he said that. I laughed so hard. But I think it's a combination of the things that you just said. I think it's this kind of, like, 80s humor that Mike was kind of talking about before. And also, like, high school boys. And also, like, weird, bad writing. It's all of it.
0: It's a perfect storm, is what you call it.
1: <laughs> I guess it's just it's just '80s high school, right? That's what the the era
0: was. Yeah, and I think they're just trying to show that again. Even at school, she's having a hard time. Everywhere she looks, everywhere she goes, it's a bad day, pretty much for this girl.
1: So there's the tryouts and street clubs, Like she's she's just hanging around the gym, and I guess she's just like waiting for her big break. And her mulleted gym teacher. Or gymnastics coach is like, all right, like, let's see what you got. And she gets up there in jeans and a sweater and does the uneven bars. And then this is when she doesn't stick the landing and her knee hurts. And everybody just laughs at her. And she has to go home and like her mother consoles her. And she just like has no time for it. She's like, you just don't understand. I don't have a future. Like I, It's hopeless.
2: They literally laugh at her injury. And she has to run out of the gym. It's this <laughs> coach. What kind of coach does that? And then the mom sister, you'll compete again someday. This girl's like 18 years old. I think it's over if you're not going to compete again.
0: The tryouts in street clothes is insane. Insane. She should say, <laughs> go get changed. Come back in five minutes. Warm up. And then we'll let's try out. But no, she just, in her business suit, she just jumps right into it and goes and flip flop, you know, sweat it up and doesn't make the team. Keanu even tries to ask her out after that, and, and she just is like, I want to be alone. And then she goes home, and mom tries to console her, get back in shape. She's like, the kids think I'm weird. The kids think I'm weird. And then her mom says something like, about the night of the accident? We get the revelation of what went down. Uh, her, Her and her dad were in a car accident, and her father died, and she survived. And this is supposed to be... An inspiring moment from the mother to the daughter
1: the mother's quote is probably the best line of dialogue in the entire movie she's really praying when she heard that they were in an accident and she says please if one of them has to be taken don't let it be Robin she has her whole life ahead of her so much to do yet and I guess somebody heard me please don't let that prayer go to waste and it's like, okay, thanks, mom. No pressure there. Dad died, so like, I have to do something great to make sure that I wasn't the wrong one who got killed. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, she's like, you're you're right. Like, she's trying to use this like as motivation, but like, I just think it's like putting like such undue pressure on her. Okay, like, dad's dead now. Like, make his death worth something. I guess all it takes is this somewhat weird motivational space. I think the next scene or one of the next scenes is her actual tryout and she's actually wearing a uniform and she's killing it. And people like I think the cute guy, he literally says out loud, wow, like they can't control how good she is at gymnastics. Like she's blowing their minds at how good she is.
2: It's like when the nerdy girl like takes off her glasses and takes down her ponytail and she's beautiful and everyone can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's that but gymnastics.
0: It's what happens when you have time to prepare, too, I think. When you, when you get to change your clothes and you're actually in the mindset that you're going to accomplish this instead of just, okay, get up there, do this thing. Instead, it's like, all right, I'm gonna, I got something to prove right now. It's her coming out. You're right. They just did the whole she's all that to her in this scene.
1: I have so many notes of what comes next, and none of them make sense in terms of a movie plot. She's got one friend on the team, right? Like there's like one girl who likes her.
2: Anorexic rich girl.
1: Yeah. Carly. Yeah. So her friend Carly, I didn't even recognize her friend Carly is the girl that Keanu was dating in young again, but the daughter of the woman that he was actually in love with. And so she's like fourth build in this movie, but I feel like she's not really in the movie much.
2: I think she's an important character in the movie. A lot of the people who are kind of important in the movie come and go. I would say.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. She starts to form her own little support system here too at this point. You know, her mom just gave her everything her mom had to offer with that speech before. Her stepdad doesn't give a shit. Her stepsister barely knows she's alive. She can't really see Keanu for what he's worth yet. But this girl Carly comes up to her and accepts her and tries to help her and show her that there's nothing wrong with you there's problems with with the other two girls like they're the ones with the attitude don't worry about them let's go train together and it's kind of cool that i like this the movie opens up a little bit at this point except for when they start training and we get more gratuitous crotch shots and i'm literally turning my head away like oof this is uncomfortable
1: because what makes it even worse is that the girl, like Olivia Diabo, who plays Robin, was either 16 or 17 when this movie was filmed. She was 17 when the movie came out, so who knows how old she was when they filmed it. But, like, the fact that she has a sex scene later—I mean, I'm sorry, a sip and Miss McGill's tea later with Keanu is, like, so uncomfortable. Because the movie's, like, sexualizing her and being like, hey, guys watching the movie, don't you think this girl's, like, real cute? And, like, yeah, she's cute, but it's also she's not, like, really, in the grand scheme of things, like, close to 18. You know what I mean? It's just, like, oh, it's kind of uncomfortable.
2: It seems like the whole purpose of this next scene where they go to Carly's workout room. Carly's super rich and her parents are divorced, so her dad bought her a workout room. And, like, it seems like the whole purpose of the scene is just to be, like, butt shot, butt shot, boob shot, crotch shot, And they just keep going and going with it.
0: This scene and later on with the sex scene got me thinking just about how gratuitous and widespread this sort of teenage sex was in 80s films. You know, when you think about it, there's a there's a lot of teenage or underage characters. Maybe the actors weren't underage playing the parts. But if you go and think back, teen sexuality and all of that, losing your virginity. Right. And, and that's that's kind of a, a big part of, of 80s films. Except here, it just feels wedged in, like, forced in and inserted unnecessarily. It was doing fine without that stuff.
1: And, like, you think about to an early Cage movie, like Fast Times, where you have Phoebe Cates and Jennifer Jason Lee playing, like, 14 and 15 year old girls who have sex but they're both 18 at the time and they both get naked in the movie and like i guess it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable a little bit but it also like works so much better you know what i mean like it it feels organic to the story here just oh like we need boobs so like we're gonna have this teen couple get sort of like explore each other's bodies and then but we can't show her boobs so like let's just show like a centerfold's boobs over her boobs. oh my god
2: that was one of my favorite things ever (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so weird. Keanu is not in this movie much. He eventually becomes Robin's boyfriend, but like he's still not until that happens. He's not in it a whole lot. Whenever he's on screen, I'm just glued to the screen. And this point, I don't know, do we ever find out what that note was? I might have missed it. Like what was that note that she got in her locker? Do we ever find out what that was? It
2: was an invitation oh, yeah. to the party.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. 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 To the party. That- yeah, she that's her big embarrassing prank that the that the evil girls pull on her.
1: Okay. They're both at their locker and he's trying to like not pay attention to her in the hopes that she's gonna notice him then. And so just like Cage puts on his sunglasses inside, acting like a real cool guy, but like he's not he's so not paying attention to her that she doesn't even notice him and she just runs out. And then he has a terrific line, and he says, "Look out, girls, it's open season on Tommy Warnecki. All the other girls are gonna want him, apparently, but like that's true because then he like somehow out of nowhere just gets a girlfriend.
2: His anger was so it was so over the top and sometimes uncalled for. like a little bit earlier, she kind of says, like, "No, I don't want to go out with you." And he gets so angry. And then, but he doesn't give up because he's doing this again now. And then again, he gets so, he gets like, like spiteful. Like he's got to get her back because she doesn't want to go out. It's just, ugh. I was a little bit, I didn't like it.
0: (laughs) He is very persistent, right? He is pursuing her a lot. Uh, He's like, every scene he's in, it's trying to get a date with her. That's just his purpose in this movie is to be her boyfriend at some point, somehow, some way. I don't know if they're playing it for fun. I don't know if he's supposed to be the comic relief whenever he shows up, but he just keeps getting ignored. I actually thought it was kind of good when we see him next. He's with another girl and it actually starts working in a weird way, but I'm not sure if he's being serious that he's interested in these other girls or if he's doing it to get her attention at that point. It almost seems like it's like three strikes and you're out and Keanu's on to the next one.
1: And so while he's off trying to do whatever he's trying to do, like I sort of wish we could follow him a little bit more, but I understand it's not his movie. She goes to get clothes for this party because she thinks it's like sort of like a fashion party. I don't know what she thinks it is. But they go to this store that I don't understand what it is. Like it's just like a store that almost looks like a Salvation Army. Is, but there's just like... It's it's so it's exactly it says Salvation Army. Okay, I, I missed that sign because... But there are just like mounds of clothes that like they can sort of like surf down. There's so many clothes in this place.
2: This In this scene, there were two more things that you can't do in movies anymore, And the first one was outside the Salvation Armory, there was just like drunk bums, implying that that's where, maybe in the 80s, that's where drunk bums hung out. But you don't see that anymore. And then the other thing was she puts on feathers inside and then makes American Indian noises. Yeah. You definitely can't do that
0: that. The, the bums I sort of gave the movie because it was a Salvation Army and it's a thrift shop and the bums may may go there to actually get clothes at some point or some sort donations or something. But right when they were inside playing Cowboys and Indians, I cringed again <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is why the movie is awful, but also amazing
1: it's wonderful that like it's it's like a relic from another era like this is all like acceptable you know what i mean like this is like mm-hmm. like this wasn't that like this is 30 years ago which i guess is sort of a long time but also at the same time not
0: a long time oh I, there's just been such radical social change recently in the last 10 years five years i mean it just multiplies at the speed of like what is deemed acceptable and unacceptable it just fluctuates too fast so i do not think that 20 30 years is a very long time when we're talking about these kinds of things like this stuff goes out of fashion pretty quickly
1: and you know what else goes out of fashion is showing up to like a formal party and like whatever she's wearing with whatever's on her face and someone's like my god that's (laughs) that's leah
0: right she literally went to the place and it's like she closed her eyes tumbled through all the clothes and just got dressed blindfolded and showed up at the party it's like
1: give out. me the homeless Coachella look. It's so weird.
2: I thought she looked good. I so I didn't like the thing on her face, and I still don't understand. Like it's like she took a marker and put dots all over her face, which I didn't get. Yeah. But I liked the way she looked. I thought that it was probably like it seemed like it was just too cool for these people at this party. They just didn't get it because she's like underground and cool.
0: It did say to dress funky or be as funky as you can. And and I took it as she was drawing the veil over her face instead of wearing it to be funky. So she had some crazy makeup going on. What really drives me nuts is the two girls' idea of a prank is inviting her to a party that she wasn't invited to and telling her to dress inappropriately. And she shows up and they're like, oh, we got you. Oh, look at her. Can you believe this woman? It's just not all that embarrassing. Like, even the son of the man hosting the party, who is shirtless guy at the gym all the time, comes <laughs> over and tries to be like, no, it's okay, it's okay.
1: Is he Leah's brother?
0: No, because I think Leah wants him. She might oh, be yeah, I maybe guess. the other girl's brother, Leah's best friend. Maybe.
1: But I feel like, going back to what you were just saying earlier about like embarrassing, like I feel like going to, to Jordan's view of sort of, high school girl drama. Like, this is exactly... This is, like, mortifying, right, Jordan? Like, this is, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even though it's not in front of all your friends, like, it's in front of the people who, like, hate you, and, like, they're gonna tell stories about you. You won't believe what Robin did on Saturday night. And even though this isn't at school, like, this is the worst form of punishment.
2: Yeah, and, like, for Robin, like, who's someone who... Having a hard time fitting in and knowing her place in the world. All this does is reaffirm to her that, like, nobody likes her and she doesn't fit in every, anywhere.
0: Yeah, I suppose. But I just felt like the girls would have come up with something much more devilish, much meaner, something much more permanent because they really set this up as it's going to be something very threatening. They're threatening her, like, we're going to do something to her. She's never, ever going to get over. Like, she's never going to live it down. And then they just do this. I mean, it almost feels like the cow tipping situation. In Young Again, where Keanu is going to be hazed by his new high school buddy, so they drive him out to the pasture, tell him to (laughs) tip a cow, and they just drive away, so he has to walk eight miles home. And it's just like, you guys could just go farther, I think. That's just, I was expecting something more.
1: I don't know. I feel like that's the difference, though, between, like, guys and girls mm-hmm. of the era, right? Like, the guys just do something stupid. And they just, like, abandon. Like, be like, that's just, like, what we do. Like, we just drove you out, made you walk three miles. Like, all right, like, whatever. Like, now we're friends again. This is just, it's like emotional torture.
2: I would be mortified and scarred for the rest of my life if somebody did this to me.
1: That's the whole point. So I guess, like, she, like, rebounds. And I don't know if this is the same night. Like, this, this movie does not do a very good job with time. Either the same night or the next night, they're all out of that drive-in place. Robin's, like, hanging upside down on something, like, trying to get Keanu's attention. I'm, like, I don't understand, like, why she wants him now. Now that, I guess, now because she can't have him because he has a girl? Like, is that the whole point? That's what I
2: thought, too. But it was annoying that it just worked so instantly. Like, she didn't care about him at all before. I mean, it is that is kind of how it works a lot of times, isn't it, in real life? But I didn't really buy it, like, how much she was trying to show off for him all of a sudden.
0: So I think part of it might be that that she sees Keanu with other women and now that he doesn't want her anymore, she does want him. It's just something that it's kind of a natural thing that might occur. But then the other thing I'm thinking now is she just got the hell embarrassed out of at that party thing. So she's probably all vulnerable and looking for some support or someone to accept her. And maybe in the back of her head, she's like, oh, yeah, Keanu was always coming around and bothering me. Like, he was actually kind of cool and like trying to, trying to cheer me up all the time instead of make me feel bad. And the other thing is, though, it's not easy to get him back. Like, she has to hang upside down and make monkey noises right. and act like a chimp and use her skills as a gymnast to win him back.
1: But I feel like it doesn't even work because he just sort of like looks at her and just like, oh, my God, like, look how embarrassing she
0: is. She's yelling out, Tommy, Tommy, check me out, check me out. And, and he's with another girl. She has no social etiquette whatsoever.
1: And then, like, to make matters worse or to add insult to injury, she, like, hops down and Leah is there. And she says, you're a joke. Everybody on the team knows it. We can flip circles around you anytime, anywhere. And then enter Gymnastics Showdown out in public, on the springboard, in their street clothes, my favorite scene in maybe any movie ever.
2: <laughs> Look, isn't it cute? <laughs> Let's throw out some peanuts. Who is your last trainer robin, Some with the whip in a chair? Maybe. Mm. Back off, Lair. You're a joke. Everyone on the team knows it. We can flip circles around you anytime, anywhere. You're at nothing. You're crazy.
1: <laughs>
2: oh. it. Yeah, this was so much fun, and this is actually the first time that we see Leah and other girls even do gymnastics. All anyone's talked about until now is how good they are, but they since they didn't care about anything, like they didn't train hard, so we've never seen them do anything, and now we finally get to.
0: They just tear it up here at the drive-through. Anywhere is our gym. Let's just rock it here, right here on the on the concrete <laughs> or on the rug. No problem. There's there's just enough room for us. It'll be perfect.
1: And, like, as I was saying earlier, like, it doesn't matter where they are because everybody's there, right? The whole town shows up. This is like a rumble. Like, this is like, you know, the Greasers and the socs. Like, this is, you know, the most popular kids in the school, basically, going against each other. And Robin flips over a car. She literally does a backflip over the hood of a car. And it's amazing.
2: Yeah, she does what is this long strip? It just happens to be this super long strip that they can run really far and then tumble on. But like, what is it actually?
0: I think it's supposed to be part of the parking lot where the waiter would come and bring your food. It just seems to be part of the parking lot and there's an awning and it's just where you would walk to get to the main part of the restaurant. Yeah, it's built just so that they could have a gymnastics off basically is is why it exists. So I had a quick question here about this sequence. <laughs> okay, so when, when they're doing their flips and the heat is really on and everyone's there and the coach shows up and, and they're all cheering. When she flips over the car, is that because she almost got hit by the car? Like she was doing her routine and it was ending and the car came and, and it was just a reaction that she flips
1: over I don't over know. It, kind of I like didn't, a karate think, kid move? I think that car was there.
2: No, I didn't think that at the time, but now I kind of do. I think it was the coach's car and that's why she's so mad at them.
1: Oh. She drove and
2: up and was like, almost drove into one of them.
1: Maybe. That makes more sense than like any other explanation.
0: Yeah. And the coach really gives it to, blames her for everything that's going on, even though the other two girls started the whole fight.
1: Well, because I mean, like Leah's her star. Like she can't blame her star. So she's got to sort of blame the new girl.
0: Well, that's another thing think- that we don't know yet is the coach has been has been playing her just to get Leah to perform better as have someone to compete with because she's been slacking off in her in her training.
1: Which is so cold. It's so, so mean. So
0: cold. But it's kind of amazing the way things are revealed in this movie. And for a long time, you're like, why is this girl, why do they think she's a nerd? Why doesn't she have friends? Oh, 20 minutes later you find out she just moved to town. Why does her knee hurt? What's wrong with this injury? Oh, 20 minutes later we find out it was from the car crash with her dad. <laughs> is the same situation here. Why is the coach really railing on her when it seems like she wants her to succeed? Oh, it's because she's just using her to get Leah, her, t- her real star, to perform better. But we don't find that out for like another 20 minutes.
2: This is a spoiler for later, but she also tells her that right after her mom dies. Her mom dies, she goes back to practice, and then the coach is like, oh, yeah, I was just using you.
1: It's like a real bad stretch in Robin's so life. Oh, there's parts of this movie that I feel were written for like other central characters. I know I don't know because like there's this whole stretch now where just Robin and Carly are talking about guys, and this is when it finds out that Carly has an eating disorder and is taking pills and either is anorexic or bulimic. But then that doesn't really matter because like after like two minutes later, we just never address it again. And then this is when we find out that Keanu's got a new girlfriend. And then Leah starts squirting ketchup on Robin in the cafeteria. These are scenes are happening back to back to back. And they all feel sort of like kind of connected, but also kind of from three very different movies. And it's just strange.
2: I think they all kind of serve to push forward the romance. There's a scene where... Robin is talking to her sister in the cleaning shop after hours and they're talking about boys and her sister does another thing that you can't do in movies anymore which is one that she smokes inside but she also puts out the cigarette on the floor of her dad's shop (laughs) and then after that there's that oh she gives a really good speech after that who is she telling who does she give the gymnastics piece to is it to her sister where she's like seeing why she does gymnastics For me, when I'm out there tumbling across those mats, I change. It's like a whole other kind of world.
0: Some place
2: better. When that happens, it's like nothing can touch me. I guess that's how birds must feel when they're flying. As somebody who did gymnastics for many, many, many years and now, uh, like, I do circus, I've chosen to continue to pursue something, like, bonkers crazy as a career path. That really is why we do it. And maybe not (laughs) everybody, but that is really why I do it. Because I can't fly, but for a second I can. And that's magic every time it happens.
1: But what I love about this scene is that her sister for, like, a moment is the female birdie. Like, she's like Matthew Modine. (laughs) And now that makes Olivia Diabo cage kind of like it's just it's weird, but it's kind of wonderful.
0: I think we needed this scene because it shows that her stepsister isn't a mean stepsister when it really gets down to it, you know, and they have a nice little connection here. It pays off a little later towards the end, too. But it just goes to show that there's some solidarity, even when times are dark and grim, like she's able to find some kind of connection here. That's what I take from that scene. The previous scene where we find out Carly has an eating disorder, that's a tough scene because then she's lost her support, right? She doesn't have that girl training beside her to help her out. So, yeah, she just keeps kind of getting kicked in the stomach one scene after another. And then at lunch, when she's on line... Didn't they get their revenge by inviting her to that party? Like, they're still doing things like squirting ketchup on her hand. It's just like they're still picking (laughs) on her.
1: Maybe the ketchup reminds her of her car accident and, like, her dad's blood. I just thought of that now, but maybe that's the thing.
0: I'll take it.
2: They were just being mean. (laughs) And they're going to keep being mean to her until they win. Like, they didn't win because she's still on the team. She's still trying to be good. you know, they just didn't win yet. So why would they stop? That scene also serves the purpose of Keanu milk pants them in a minute.
1: Which is the best. It's the best. <laughs> but Keanu, Keanu, even with his new girlfriend, I guess still maybe has a thing for Robin. And so he sees Leah squirt the ketchup on Robin's hand. And then as Leah goes to sit down, he just puts her milk carton under her seat, or under where she's going to sit. And she sits on this milk. And then Robin smiles... But then, like, Keanu like, looks up to see like what her reaction is, and then she's just gone. It's like this moment of triumph for like everybody, for the movie, because Leah gets punked, and Keanu did a cool thing, and Robin sees her enemy, and then just Robin's just gone. Not around to hang around to see what the after effects are.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the matter, man? I thought I'd Catch liked milk. <laughs> it ain't <is> solid! <laughs>
2: is the next scene where they pick who's on the team because they put that girl tammy on the team and we have never seen tammy do anything (laughs) and it was like they were just like oh shit we need an asian person in this movie
1: they have this team selection but then like the movie sort of reverts to kind of rom-com and now she and kiyomi were like on a date did i miss a scene where they got together or they just like all of a sudden together
0: I think between what went down at the burger joint at the Shake Shack and then what, what happened here with the milk at lunchtime, they've sort of been giving each other signals that they like each other. So Keanu runs up to her bus and gets on her and takes the bus home with her. And they right, okay. They have sort of an impromptu date. They, they go to the park and they have their park talk when Keanu talks about being a carnival barker for the summer. And it's like the opposite of Cage's yeah. cell from... From Peggy Sue Got Married, he's like, I don't have the looks, I don't have the money. I'm just me, you know, I can't give you all those other things. And and he kinda takes off and she runs after him. And then they're together from that point on.
1: Just great teenage angst. Like it's wonderful. So but I angry.
2: To- that scene also opens on him doing the carnival thing. But like that's how the scene opens. Like I felt like I was walking into the middle of a scene and I literally had no idea what he was talking about.
1: Because he's just talking like a carny and then, like, slowly starts describing that, like, you know, he had to work as a carny for a summer. I think he calls himself, like, a con man about how he, like, he had to, like, sort of, like, convince people to give them his money because, you know, all those games are rigged. He's like, I just needed a few bucks in my pocket. And, like, I can't be Tommy with all his money, so, like, whatever. And she's like, No, but I sort of, I just, I like you for you. Like, we're together. Like, what else do you need? But then they,
2: <laughs> they get into a fight for no reason. And he runs away, and she runs after him, and she catches up, and then he runs away, and she catches up, and then he runs away, she catches up, and this goes on for so long that it becomes a montage where there's no sound, there's only music, and they wait at a stoplight.
1: I wonder you can't even describe it without laughing.
2: (laughs) I haven't even talked about the hot dog yet. This is so hard.
1: This is kind of like the first date to end all first dates, although I'm not even sure it's necessarily the same date. Like, this might be like a montage of a few different dates. I'm not even sure. They're at the beach, and then they go get the hot dog, which is Jordan's favorite scene in this movie, and she's not going to be able to get through it without laughing.
0: It's an amazing scene when they go get a hot dog, and he's holding it, and they put on ketchup, and more ketchup, and more ketchup and more ketchup and more ketchup and then he loads it up with the relish and the relish and relish and he just stacks this hot dog comically it's it's comical no human being in their right mind would eat what he created and she cannot believe what she's seeing
2: he's not just holding the hot dog it's a close-up of the hot all you see is the hot dog
0: it's a a stunt man holding the hot dog
1: (laughs) For a long time. For like, like a long like time. Every
2: once in a while, not very strategically placed or well placed, there's a close-up reaction shot of her face to this hot dog. <laughs> and like she is horrified. And he just keeps <laughs> adding
1: I love how much you love the scene. Like, I like the scene, but you love this scene.
2: Oh my god, it broke my brain. When I was watching it, this happened, but worse. I had to turn off the movie for like five (laughs) minutes, and I was crying, and I couldn't stop. And then I tried to write notes about it, and it took me four tries to write notes because I would just break into hysterics again. way he he spreads relish on it for like 10 seconds (laughs) like way too long
1: and then he goes to the onion like he's just it's condiment on top of condiment on top of condiment and the filmmaker the cinematographer whoever has this idea it's a tight one shot of this hot dog for way too long
2: like my brain blew up because i don't understand why that's a thing i don't understand why we care about her reaction to it (laughs) like it never matters again (laughs)
1: I think we need to move on from the hot dog. I don't know how much more we can talk about the hot dog. I
2: could talk about the hot dog for like two more
1: hours. But then I guess like now that she's with Keanu mm-hmm. and now that she's on the team, she's got like this newfound sense of self and she starts standing up for herself. So she says to her mom, I don't know what this quote's in reference to, she says, I'm going all the way with this one, mama. Is she talking about Keanu or is she talking about the team?
0: <laughs> no,
2: she's talking about gymnastics. No.
0: Yeah, she's talking about gymnastics, but I can see where she's like, I, I met this cute boy. I'm going to go all the way with him. So you you do it, you honey. You be all the best you can with him.
1: Maybe she's like secretly telling her about Keanu, but she the mother thinks it's about gymnastics. I mean, who really knows?
0: I can't tell what's been going on with the mom and the stepdad between scenes. Like he's clearly been drinking a lot, but has he been beating right. her?
1: I don't know because, as Jordan said earlier, she dies. But do we know how she died?
0: She I just think- dies. No,
2: like they kind of hinted the whole movie that like she was sick or weak or something because Robin keeps telling her not
0: to work. It seems to me like she's kind of being forced to work by the stepdad. That I got the sense that he married her and was like, "All right, I got, I got some extra bodies for the old dry cleaner for people to work. I got this mom and daughter to work down there now." So it just kind of seems like he's been working her to death in a lot of ways. Like she's just tucked away in this corner of the dry. So maybe cleaner. she dies from like exhaustion. I can't think of anything else. That's what it seems just like. She's just overworked.
1: Jack-related complications. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, she's not dead yet, but she's gonna be dead real soon. There's one
2: more scene, and then she dies.
1: So Robin quits her job, and everyone in the entire place applauds. They're all so proud of her. Then we cut to her stepdad, who's in his office, just throwing things at the wall, and then from there we go to what seems to be like the bar from Roadhouse, where she and Keanu were just dancing. They're in like there's just like the band's behind the cage and everybody's dancing and then the music stops and the lead singer of the band says we have a very urgent call for robin whatever her last name is robin crew or whatever and she goes to the back of the room and kiana says what's up and she says my mom died i'm like that's it it's just it's crazy i want to
2: talk about this club for a second though because the shot of the singer's face behind this cage was very horror movie to me it was one of the things like when when I read that these guys made horror movies I was like yeah that it's just like a tight shot of her face behind a cage she's no microphone she's just singing into the cage and she doesn't blink she doesn't blink once her eyeballs are so big and so it's just and she's lit all red it was so strange
0: I couldn't stop thinking of Leah Thompson in Howard the Duck, where she's singing behind the cage in that movie, too. And I was <laughs> just looking around for a guy in a duck suit. And he's kind of busting a move here. He's dancing pretty well. And, and Joey, I started thinking back to the last episode. Maybe he was his own foot double for those dance sequences. I don't know. We don't, maybe. We don't see his feet in this one. But we definitely can tell you he's a good dancer.
1: He's got the moves. I mean he's musical. We know that he's in Dog Star. We know that he's, you know, been stereotyped and stuff. So it makes sense that he's got, you know, rhythm and he's able to dance. So good for you, Keanu, multi talented.
2: It's also kind of fun to see him be fun. I mean, he gets so kind of serious and flat later in his career and like his more popular movies. And he was just dancing. It was nice.
1: Yeah. And then everything gets cut short when Robin's mom dies. And then Robin's like lost. Like she doesn't know what to do, that her dad's been gone. You know, as we talked about earlier, like the loss of her dad, cause her dad was like the one who pushed her, like who always tried to make her better at gymnastics. And like now that she, now that he was gone, she was sort of lost. Now that her mom's gone, all that's left is the wicked stepfather really. And she like doesn't know what to do. But then her sister's like, oh, before she died, she left you a gift. And it turns out to be like the leotard that she was eyeing at the beginning of the movie. It's just, like, a weird, hey, your mom's gone, but, you know, here's this thing that you wanted, so it's, like, a part of her with you
0: now. I thought that was her mom's gymnastic outfit. <laughs> was it? I, I don't think it was now, but <laughs> I got, like, an Apollo Creed moment where it's, like, these are mine, wear them, and make me proud.
1: That makes as much sense as her mom going out and buying her a uniform and then not giving it to her.
2: And why would the sister have it? It's not like the mom was close with the sister—
0: The only thing that makes sense is that her mom knew she was going to die and that it was going to be before this gym meet, so she went out and bought this for her daughter to open the day after her funeral. But
1: what makes even less sense is that we then see Jack, now that his wife just died, I think genuinely being kind to her. Because, like, you know, she, she quit the job. She's basically said, like, you know, I've had enough of you. I'm going to go out on my own. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going out on my own. And he says something to her, like, no matter what happens, you can always come back. And she's, like, so mean to him. Like, I understand that he's, like, treated her poorly for a while. But, like, he's genuinely trying to be nice, I think. And, like, she's not giving him at all the time of day. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, it makes sense. But in this particular moment, I feel like it's not true to what's going on.
2: I didn't get this at the time, but thinking back about it now, I think this is the difference between when he's drunk and when he's sober. And I think he's probably Mm. drunk more than he's sober. And so this is like a rare moment of him being genuinely nice. And maybe he's like that when he's sober. But like she doesn't care because usually he's drunk and he's mean and he hits her and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing him in a moment of clarity, but she knows that it's just a moment, that this isn't the real him, and he says, you never called me dad, and she said, you never acted like a dad or played the role. you never gave me
1: any reason to or whatever, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. so I'm out of here, man. And yeah, I don't blame her. She sees through him, but you're right. he, He is trying in this moment. It's just not who he really is.
1: And I feel like she doesn't really have a plan, but then all of a sudden her plan becomes keanu says oh my parents are out of town for the weekend if you want to sleep on my couch i mean i'll sleep on the couch you can sleep on my bed i mean i don't know and then all of a sudden like we're just in his living room and then all of a sudden we're in his bedroom i didn't even know at this point definitively that they were together and now all of a sudden they're sipping miss mcgill's tea together and like they're having like this romantic getaway it's just like oh i guess they are dating this is them you know in this uncomfortable sex scene and it's just it's weird Right? It's weird. Oh, it comes off, gosh. like, it comes really quickly.
0: Yeah. It's so yeah. Gross. It's like, they haven't even dated or courted, really. They hung out once at the park and kissed, is pretty much all we saw. And then her mom died, and she's an orphan, and she runs into the arms of Keanu. And the song, the lyrics to the song are actually the first time and they're doing it for the first time and I would imagine they're <laughs> they're both losing their virginity at this moment. And then they play house for a while and it's just very awkward montage. She finds his Playboy and that's when she's holding up the cutout of the breasts on top of her own. And she walks out of the bathroom, right out of the shower, like a centerfold might be photographed and comes on to Keanu and, and they they sip some more Miss Mipel's tea and it just goes and- on.
1: And then they do laundry together? Like what did you two do to that, those sheets? Like I don't like <laughs> like I understand like what happens, but like don't show that scene. That's just it's weird. Right? That's <sighs> weird to be doing laundry and like showing them doing laundry together.
2: Three of my favorite things happened during this <laughs> part of the movie. I'm so happy about all of them. It started when they got there. They um right. she like insisted that she be able to see his room, which was like disgustingly messy, which was like weird and like weirdly genuine for like a teenage boy, you know? And then when they're going to have sex, they're undressing each other at the same time like a mirror, which I right. love. But also <laughs> but also they um they're facing each other and they're undressing each other at the same time and they both have on two loose <laughs> shirts. So they each take off the other one's first shirt. I think Keanu's might be a vest and hers is just a loose shirt on top of another loose shirt. It was just so 80s and such weird fashion. So they take off each other's loose shirts and then they slowly at the same time unbutton each other's shirts, which was just so weird. And then she finds the playboy in his messy room. She sneaks back into his messy room. And she finds the Playboy, like I watched her hold it up in front of a mirror in front of her own naked boobs, which you never see you don't see her boobs
1: because she's 16 yeah
2: and i was like oh my god she's comparing her like how genuine she's comparing herself to this playboy model and feeling bad and blah 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 and i was like getting into it in my own brain and then i was like wait they just can't show her boobs and they wanted to show boobs so they literally had her hold another pair of boobs on top of her own boobs to show boobs which is so insane
1: it's crazy. Like we were saying like it's like oh it's in the 80s and this is sort of like a sex comedy type of scene we need boobs. She's 16 or 17 we can't show her. So how do we get around this? Oh, let's just show pictures of them. It's such a weird workaround to having an underage actress. I don't I don't I don't get it.
0: There is some sort of crazy, bizarre logic as to what a great shortcut this kind of is to do just what you said with the producers are like we need to see breasts. Yeah, just hold up fake ones in front of the real ones. That's perfect. So I got to I got to give it to them for coming up with the idea, but it's not very tasteful. <laughs> it's a fix. Sure. If that's what you creepy want to go for but i think you could have gotten the same effect in a different way if you shot it differently maybe but uh, i see what they're going for but to me again it just it was another one of those moments that fell in line with the close-ups of them working out i don't know it's just you're exploiting the, the girl now at this point
1: but however uncomfortable that night of passion is which also might be a weekend of passion i'm not sure how long that goes on for i don't know if it's one night or two nights the whole weekend but it's almost made up for by the fact that Keanu wakes her up with a drawn-on mustache and a rose in his mouth and makes her breakfast in bed. He, again, like, the beginning of the movie, like, scares her. Like, he keeps scaring her, and she smacks the tray, but it's all, like, burnt toast and all this different stuff, and it's just like, I tried. It's kind of, like, adorable and sort of weird. It's like this sweet little moment that sort of almost makes up for the fact that the whole, like, previous scene where you're like, should I be turned on by this scene? Like, it's like, okay, that's in the past now. Now we're back into, like, a regular movie mode
2: also the second time in the movie that she knocks over a, a tray of food, which it's just weird <laughs> that she keeps doing it.
0: <laughs> I really like that we got to see a little bit of French Keanu come through in here. He's sort of a callback. He's played a French-Canadian, and, and this was kind of funny because he's got the, the mustache, but then at the end when she when she tips over all the food, he just says, c'est la vie.
1: Her mom just died, and she leaves the house, and she has this great moment, and then she goes back to school, goes back to gym, and this is when her teacher's like, oh, I only have you on the team to motivate Leah because, you know, she wasn't challenged enough and I needed somebody to challenge her. And, like, she always, like, wanted to do better than you. And she's just like, oh, after this, like, little bit of a high of a weekend after her mom dies, now it's just like, oh, uh, sorry, but, you know, you're, you're still kind of worthless. Like, I'm only using you.
0: Yeah, this girl's life is pretty much the best day of her life, followed by the worst day of her life. The best day of her life, the worst day of her life, where I'm out dancing with my new boyfriend and my mom dies. I, I just lost my virginity and it was a wonderful weekend and I'm kicked off the team.
2: The Coach doesn't even say like, I'm sorry about your mom. She's just like, oh yeah, I was using you, see ya.
1: And, like, she sort of has to know. Like, it feels like this is another one of those towns, like Young Again, where, like, when something happens, everybody knows. Like, right, like Mike, you get that sense that, like, everybody knows all the gossip. So, like, I would imagine the teacher has to know that her mom died. You're right, Jordan, just does not make any mention of it, no condolences whatsoever.
0: She's her coach. She should be involved with their students, and, and she should definitely know. I mean, the whole school probably knows. So it's just when, when someone's mom dies at school, I think everybody finds mm-hmm. out about that. Jordan's definitely right. This teacher should be consoling her and not telling it to her in front of everybody else. Soften this blow somehow. Take her in the back room. I got something I need to tell you. Is there anything I could get you? No, there's none of that.
1: Especially like at this point in... Like a person's life. Now that both of her parents are dead, like a teacher or like a coach is supposed to be there for you, and just none of it. But like also like in the in this movie, like it almost kind of doesn't matter because she's like this is sort of when she's entered independent woman mode, and like doesn't necessarily need anybody. It makes sense that she's so distant, but also like not really cool.
0: Yeah, she believes in herself enough at this point because she's got the boyfriend she's got the best friend and she stood up for herself and she proclaims that she's a fighter she doesn't care she's gonna show everybody at this point she's got nothing else to lose and i think that's pretty great as we launch into yet another training montage but this time with keanu in tow he's there encouraging her giving her massages
1: giving her back rubs yeah i mean that's that's the best way to prep for a competition like let keanu sort of limber you up a little bit
2: this is the one where she's like i'm gonna get on the team right
0: yeah, the coach is like, "You're not even an alternate. Stacy's the alternate because she's flat out better than you." And she's like, "I hate <laughs> Stacy. I'm gonna be on this team." And basically, doesn't she just say like, "I'm just gonna train and try out, and you're gonna have to accept me?" And the coach is like, "I guess you're right."
1: because well, I also don't understand what the timeline is. Like, how long does how long elapses between the time that she isn't on the team and then she is on the team? Because, like, it's long enough that the next scene, Keanu and her say, I love you to each other. So it's, like, sort of been a while, right? Or no?
0: It's hard to tell in a training montage exactly how much time has or hasn't passed.
1: She spends some time dancing with the bus driver for some reason? That was weird. They started to, <laughs> like,
2: swing dance and she, like, wrapped her legs around him? Weird.
1: <laughs> And then they get to the competition and they see the great Rhonda hamilton who looks like she's 12.
2: i literally wrote I know Rhonda gym- hamilton is like 12.
1: i understand that gymnastics or gymnasts excuse me are usually younger like olympians you know but like this is like a high school competition there's no way in the world that girl is 14. and i love that they call her the great Rhonda hamilton like this 12 or 14 year old has like this reputation of being this all-star gymnast the one to beat But they just like, they only refer to her by her full name. She's like this sort of superhero or supervillain, the great Rhonda Hamilton.
2: Rhonda Hamilton looks like how all of these girls should look. When you see a gymnast who really, really trains and trains and trains and is really, really, really good, even they always look younger than they are because they have no body fat. They have no boobs. They just haven't grown the way they're supposed to yet. And that's what Ronda Hamilton looks like, although she also looks like she's way too young. But like my guess is that they just cast an actual gymnast to play Ronda Hamilton because they didn't need an actress. So that's why she looks like that and everyone else looks. Kind of normal. I
0: mean, why start now? Why cat? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, what is the point of that? It makes no she sense. don't
2: need her to act. It's not like she talks.
0: How hard does Rhonda fall? Yeah, maybe that's why they used a real gymnast, because she was able to fake that fall so well, because that felt real. It was like the realest thing in the entire movie right there.
1: What's kind of great about this whole thing, and I think that sort of fits in like with why they cast Rhonda Hamilton now, it's like the movie does not care about this competition. The movie only cares that robin is going to win they don't care about showing you that she's going to win they don't care about explaining why people get the scores that they get the movie's just like okay this is the part of the movie where robin has to not only defeat the great ronda hamilton but also defeat leah defeat her dad the movie does not care about this competition like do you get that sense like i can't tell why they're good or bad all i know is that ronda falls and hurts herself and gets disqualified
2: I found it to be pretty inconsistent, like with the skill level and the scores as a gymnast watching it, they cared a little bit because of the way they showed it, like where they would show Rhonda and then they would show Leah and then they would show Robin like all in a row for three events and they would show the scores so you could do the math to be like, oh, she she needs two more tenths. But they straight up didn't show vault at all. Like they just totally left out one event.
1: Well, maybe their gymnast stunt doubles weren't good at vault they and they couldn't capture They them.
2: weren't because earlier they were showing them on vault and they were terrible. They show it two <laughs> times earlier and like it doesn't match anything else that they're doing at all.
0: Your general audience isn't really going to know if it's right or wrong necessarily as long as it's entertaining and it's cool. And some of it does kind of look cool.
1: And what's great is that Roy and Red are here because, of course, they are because everybody's always everywhere. Like everybody in town was at that, you know, Rumble at the drive-in, and now everybody's here just because. Why not? Like everybody has to be here. My question, though, is where does she go in the middle of competition? Does she run home to get her mom's uniform.
2: Don't they just go outside and look at the statue of the Wirewalker? Well, because she's like, isn't she like
0: sprinting somewhere? I, she did run yeah, again
2: because for... I do remember being mad about it
0: at first she goes outside with the bus driver and he tells her an inspirational story and then the next thing we know it's dark out and he's back at the auditorium and she's going to be late for her floor routine but she's sort of hanging out by niagara falls just checking out the nightlife and then she realizes she's late and she has to run a lot to get back to where she was like she just yeah. wandered into the night at some point
1: and she gets back and that's when drunk jack is there and He, like, slaps her and throws her stepsister across the hallway. And that's when Roy and Red show up and, like, sort of rough him up, right? And, like, they they bloody him up.
0: Yeah, it's right down to the wire, too. It's literally, she she can't even get through the door without getting past the stepdad. So this big thing that's always been there, the whole movie, she just needs to get past her worst enemy and, and she can make it. And then with the help of her friends, she does.
2: How close do you guys think they live to Niagara Falls? Well, we never see the falls, did we? we did.
0: Yeah. There's at least a stock footage shot of Niagara Falls. It was just like
2: so strange. It literally felt like her and Keanu walked to Niagara Falls. The way it was cut was as if they walked there. And then everybody else just like shows up. They're just curious. I don't know anything about where they're supposed to be. When they were talking about (laughs) it in the, when the coach was talking about it, it was like, we're going to Niagara Falls. Like it was far away. And then it seemed like it was like literally right next door.
1: Yeah, like, this movie is not good at time or location. Like, they don't care how long things take to go or take to happen or, like, you know, when we are. And it also doesn't matter where people are. It's just, like, people doing things in places in time.
0: Uh, I, I wrote down that the team that they're going up against are the Niagara Falls Rockets, and they're the Buffalo Flyers. So they're probably just meeting at, at the Niagara's home turf.
1: Okay. So everybody took the trip from Buffalo, like Roy and Red and Key. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, Buffalo's
0: the one bus. guy has his own bus, so they all just loaded up onto the bus yeah. and <laughs> they went together. But party bus.
2: They also, like, they keep calling it regionals. In gymnastics, like, regionals means, like, the whole region. Like, gymnasts. when you compete in regionals, say, for Vermont, it's like Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. It's, like, everything in this region. That's why it's a big deal. And this meet was just, like, a couple of, like, local towns.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's, like, real weird.
2: I want to talk about her floor routine.
1: What's nets her a perfect she 10, sure by does. The
2: way. Although one of those passes doesn't deserve it. And she does one... Oh, it made me crazy. Two of them did the same tumbling pass twice in their routine. This girl does two double backs. Like, you just don't do that. Like, that's not a thing. That's so... It's so lazy. They could have just come up with something else. So this is, like, her glory moment. Her perfect 10. And, like, we were talking about earlier half of the routine is just a shot of her butt and her boobs because they cut out her face. Yep. Like, during her glory yep. moment, it's just her butt. It just sucks so bad that that's how they did it.
1: I mean, but there's really no, else, no other way to do it because, like, that's how they set it up. That's the only way that they can, you know, instead of hiring a gymnast who could maybe pass as an actor, they hired an actor who can't do gymnastics. But
2: no, they no, they, they do it better in other movies. Don't you just do, like, a super long shot so that, like... You could, like, see, you, you could see the whole floor and the haircut, but not the face.
0: Well, they do that, I guess, at certain points in the movie. I think they had some wide shots, but you may not have been able to discern that it was the same character because of how awful the wig was and trying to hide the stunt double. <laughs> because I did notice there were a couple of longer shots or wider shots of some of the routines throughout the movie, but it was clearly not the main actress.
1: They sort of just backed themselves into a corner, or weren't confident or good enough filmmakers to overcome it. They definitely did a better points in the movie, but yeah, like the this end part is just sort of a mess.
2: And then at the end, they just like announce it over the loudspeaker, like
1: she won. It's almost like ADR, like oh no, we forgot to have like somebody (laughs) saying they won. How do we add it in? Oh, let's just do it over the loudspeaker.
2: You know, like in sports, you do a medal ceremony. Like that's (laughs) like everybody knows that.
1: What I kind of love about this movie is there's a freeze frame, like they pick her up in celebration, they put a red hat on her head for some reason, and they freeze frame, and it's like, okay, last shot of the movie. And then the movie continues, <laughs> and then they just start dancing down the street, and then the credits roll. I, I don't think I've ever seen like a freeze frame that close to the end of a movie that doesn't actually end a movie.
0: And it's just on par with the way it opened when they the tagged on title card with the opening and everything. And why not end this with a freeze frame and then, oh, it's not over. It was all just another diversion, just another psych out.
1: <laughs> it's like the Return of the King, like just multiple endings, <laughs> just for no reason.
2: I didn't see it. I'm watching it again because I missed I missed the freeze frame part.
1: I mean, it's not like long. It's like two or three seconds. It's like this moment of triumph, like literally all of her friends pick her up and hoist her up like, you did it. And it freezes, and then they just dance down the street.
2: Oh, oh, they're picking her up. They put the red hat on her. Oh, freeze, freeze. Oh my God, it does freeze. And then they front hands and bring out the <laughs> door and walk down yep. the street. Oh my gosh. I did not notice
1: that. <laughs> and so that is Dream to Believe, AKA Flying. I feel like these early Keanu movies are giving us more things to talk about than early Cage movies. I'm not sure if that's necessarily fair or not. These are like such weird, out-there productions.
0: This Keanu stuff is all new by far, so far. You know, there's (laughs) just, I've not seen any of this stuff. And the movies themselves are relics of the 80s, just TV movie-style storytelling, and it's just incredible.
2: Yeah, I haven't watched any of the other ones with you guys And the earliest Cage movie I did was Wild at Heart, but this could have been really bad and really boring. And it just wasn't like every part of it. I wanted to keep watching it. Like there were some Cage movies that I watched that I could not get on board with, but I was on board with this from the first second it started, (laughs) which was so much fun.
1: Like Mike and I were saying at the very top of the show, the last four have been like... Like the first ones he wasn't really in, and this one I guess he's not in that much. I mean, he's he's I think he's the top guy build, and he's in it like a decent amount, but he's not necessarily the star. But the last three he was really in, and then this one, they're just like... They're not necessarily great movies, but they're just... They're fun, and they're enjoyable to watch, and they're, there's so much to talk about, and it's just... It, it proves that we made the right decision, I think, in picking Keanu.
2: Yeah, and I I like watching him. Like, I think even if I didn't know Keanu, he looks different enough, but he's also really good-looking. And even though I don't like his angry energy, it is an energy. Like, he gi- he gives something to it, you know? Like, I think even if I didn't know who he was or care about who he was, like, he would still be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, he's got what it takes. You know, he's got whatever that thing is that makes a star. And you can kind of see it this early on that he's very unique. There's really no one else on screen bringing, like you said, the, that energy. Or he's got his own energy that he embodies his projects with. It's so clearly him bringing that to the screen.
1: These are still sort of like obscure, like nowhere no one knows about these movies. movies. It's, like, it's like untread territory. And it's great. Any last thoughts about the movie that we did not cover? I mean, we covered pretty much everything, so I don't know if there's <laughs> anything left, but Jordan, anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk uh, about?
2: I'm just so happy that they made this movie and I got to watch it.
1: <laughs> Mike, anything that, that you have in your notes that we didn't talk about? Uh,
0: nope, I'm I'm good as well.
1: Well, Jordan, thank you very much for joining us. You'll be back, I think, before too long. I'm not sure. Let's see what your I next movie is going to be. I think my next one is Parenthood. Yeah, your next one is Parenthood, which is in about 10 or so movies. So in a couple months, you'll be back. And that's kind of a big deal movie. So this is a nice little unknown fly under the radar before you're back for a couple other sort of bigger yeah, movies Yeah, and I'm later. excited.
2: I've never seen Parenthood.
1: Neither have I. So a lot of this is brand new ground for, I think, all of us. So for all things Keanu and Cage and Zac Efron and Monkeys, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub and you can get all those podcast needs fulfilled. For whatever you want, as long as whatever you want is one of those four things, we got you covered. I'm Joey Lewandowski.
0: And I'm Mike Manzi. And
1: that was Jordan Polen-Clark, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club.